I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker, and today I'm talking with Matt Stosky about his directorial debut, Blues Big City Adventure, a Blues Clues movie that is now on Paramount+. Plus. I had never seen an episode of Blues Clues. I'm not in the right demo, um, but I really enjoyed this movie. It's very cute. It's very dancey and singy and relaxing. Um, it kind of puts a little, a little spell over you. And probably does that for kids too, if you have kids. If you don't have kids, um, you can still watch it. I'm, there's there's no law. Mastowski is a very interesting dude. He came out of the Detroit punk scene and went on to make music videos at a very young age for people like Snoop Dogg and CeeLo Green. And now he's graduated to feature films. We talk about his extraordinary use of color, which is all the more extraordinary when you hear about a certain situation he's been dealing with all his life. And we talk about everyone's efforts to make Blue's Big City Adventure as inclusive as it can possibly be. Uh, so let's dive into this conversation with Matt Sosky uh, after a word from me. Hey, I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker with a few words about our sponsor, Evermoon Media. They're doing something very relevant to me and maybe to you too. Have you ever tried to learn video editing online? Movie Maker posts a lot of interviews on our YouTube channel, and sometimes I watch YouTube instructional videos about video editing, and it's just a huge waste of time. You search for how to move this without moving that, or how to finesse something, and it's just two minutes of a dude pleading with you to sign up for his channel, and then you get to the part you think is going to be relevant to you, and he doesn't explain anything at all. And he's also not going to answer your questions. You think I should have gone to film school, but that's a ton of time and money, and you don't really need film school to do the thing you're trying to do happily. Happily, there is a great way to learn video editing online. The Evermoon Media Online Video Editing Course, aimed toward beginners, gives you all the tools you need to build a professional video editor demo reel and start getting work. It's a hands-on approach where they give you high-quality footage to edit, and you send it to your instructor, Andrew, for feedback and tips. You can download free assets like templates, presets, SFX libraries, music, and 4K stock footage. And in no time, you'll be making ads, corporate videos, wedding videos, or YouTube videos like the ones I post on the Movie Maker account. Sign up free today with no credit card required and try it out for yourself. Just go to evermoonmedia.com learn. That's evermoonmedia.com learn. And now, back to our show. So Matt, thank you so much for talking with me. Blue's Clues, Big City Adventure is your first children's movie, but you came up in the Detroit punk scene. You were an AV kid. How did that lead you all to Blue's Clues? Yeah, I uh, I grew up with my best friends and we all went to the same high school together. And we just happened to have a radio and TV station as like our fourth, fifth and sixth hour of the day. So we'd like, you know, go to our history classes and then like the rest of the day, we were just kind of in like the punk rock den, like the whole place was covered in stickers and we get access to all the new, you know, records that came out uh, for free instead of having to go to like the CD store and buy CDs. So, you know, I started learning how to sort of edit uh, radio dramas together. And the timeline for radio dramas is very similar, like Final Cut Pro and Premiere. So I pretty much learned how to edit while I was in high school. Um, and then we started borrowing cameras from the TV station and we were into punk rock, so we just went out and filmed punk rock bands, you know, around Detroit. Um, and that's how I sort of learned how to shoot a performance. And then my friends who were in a band, we'd fill the van up with gear, go out to like the East Coast from Detroit, go to New York, Philly. Uh, we've been to D.C., we've been to Pittsburgh, just filming a lot of bands out there. Um, 
one band anti-flag like really gave us our start we shot like six music videos for them they're really good friends of mine and and a lot of friends from detroit and um they're very important to sort of connect me with the music scene and from there went through college and and got a job with um with Kathy Pello, she runs, she, she used to run a, a, a production company called Refuse TV and she still runs a record label called Sargent House. And it was just like this legendary house in Echo Park where legends would come through. Like I remember like Danger Mouse came through there, Jello Biafra came through one time, like all these bands. Um, she has incredible connections to so many different artists that are this eclectic group of artists. And I would shoot music videos for all the, and do, you know, motion graphics for them. And through her, she was a commissioner for Atlantic Records. So I was able to get connected with CeeLo Green and do the, the Forget You video and uh, the It's Okay video. And she taught me everything I know about music videos. Um, and I worked with Kathy forever and then got film representation back in like 2011 after the CeeLo video came out and it got some exposure. And that's how I just started diving into the process of reading scripts and um, learning how to run a set and, you know, pitching to executives and, uh, just getting out there as far as features go. So, um, about 2013, I met Brian Robbins. He was at awesomeness TV and, uh, he went on obviously to, to run Nickelodeon. Now he's running Paramount. He's a really good friend of mine. And he, um, you know, he, he called me up, you know, early last year and was like, Hey man, I got this blues clues thing. And the script was kind of sitting there for a couple of years. And I was like, you know, I see that it's a musical, like, can I have some creative freedom? And Nickelodeon was all about giving me creative freedom. So I was like totally signed on for it. So it's crazy that you got the forget you video in retrospect. I mean, because that's turned out to be such a huge hit in part because of you and because of that video, but people didn't really want to touch it at the time. Why was that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah, the, the song originally, I mean, there's the fuck you version and the forget you version for, you know, radio friendly stuff. And, the budget was nothing like we had like 60 K to shoot that video in like one day. And a lot of bigger directors actually passed on it um, at the time. So I was like this young kid at refuse TV that was doing like 10 K 20 K like hip hop, punk rock metal videos. And uh, Kathy was like, Hey, you want to do this thing? And I just threw together a very Motown doo-wop driven treatment and CeeLo loved it. And they had no creative changes whatsoever to the treatment. They're like, let's do it. So we shot up at the legendary, you know, Cadillac Jacks up in uh, up in the valley where a lot of people shoot. And uh, I mean, I think it was on the map before we shot that video, but definitely after the video, that location was even more so on the map. A lot of people shoot there. And uh, yeah, we knocked that out and it was like a 16 hour, crazy long non-union day, you know, so, um, but it was fun. And yeah, that that video really helped my career for sure. And you've worked with people like Fallout Boy, Snoop. Um, yes, were there any artists who just kind of had butterflies to be around? It was just hard to tell them what you needed them to do because you kind of grew up with their music and were a little in awe of them. Yeah. I mean, with, with Snoop, it was definitely the case, but that was, that was a wild one because like, and, and that one I did when I was real, I was like 19 years old when I, when I did, I, um, he has a record label and we did two videos for his artists on his record label, Western union and the dog pound. And both were featuring Snoop Dogg and, um, we shot him in two days. We flew in from, I was going to school in Chicago at Columbia college and my buddy, my, our DP and our producer um, were from Detroit and we flew in and we were just like 19 year old kids. And, uh, but, the, but the video was, you know, one of them was shot entirely on green screen. So it was like, I was very used to shooting on green screen. We had done like probably 10 green screen videos before that. So 
there was this confidence there. Like I really knew what I was doing and I was, you know, I think at that moment was when you just kind of like just turn into work mode and you're able to walk up to Snoop Dogg. who's like 20 feet taller than me at the time. And, you know, 30 years older than me at the time or 40, I don't know. He's, you know, I was a 19 year old kid and just, you know, if, if you have that confidence, you know, you know what your shots are going to be and you're able to like get a nice shot and show it to the artist and they can be like, Oh, it's going to look like this. Cool. That's rad. You know, that's, that's pretty important when you're kind of a no-name director, you know, you have to be able to get a couple shots in the cam and show it to the client. And then they have at that point, they're like, okay, I know why I'm here. And then if at the end of the day, you know, you, you want to push them a little bit past what maybe they're normally comfortable doing. They trust that they're like, okay, I'm going to get mad at shots because what, what we're doing right now looks pretty good. So I think uh, with any artist I've had, that's somewhat intimidating or somewhat large in scale. You just got to show them a couple of shots on the monitor and then, then you normally get them for a uh, full commitment. Wow. And if you got Snoop when you were 19, how old were you when you did the, when you did the CeeLo video? CeeLo was, uh, I was about 25. Let's see. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah, 25, 26 when I did that one. So at that point in my career, I had, um, access to like really good crew members. Like I, I was able to work with like my favorite at AD, uh, Mark Russell, his nickname is chef. He was like mm -hmm. a legend in, in, you know, the music video and commercial space. And he worked with Hype Williams and Mark Romanek and all those guys. So he actually taught me a whole lot. You know, he would, we would, I did a lot of videos with him and he'd be like, yo, man, the shot list is way too much. You know, cause when I was young, my shot lists were like hundreds of shots in one day. And then I was like, okay, I, I can only have like a certain amount of setups with, you know, different types of artists. So he helped me. Um, I was able to work with really good DPs at that point and just like really meet everyone in the music video community in LA. So by the time we did CeeLo, um, it was a really polished looking video because I had wonderful craftspeople all around me. Yeah, you are incredibly good at color um, and it comes through in Blue's Clues. It's so vibrant and it honestly doesn't look like anything else I've seen. It's sort of simultaneously very relaxing, but it also feels almost like a Soderbergh movie and how like, crisp it is. Oh, nice. Yeah. How did you find that visual style? I mean, first off, I'm colorblind. So whenever we are in coloring, I'm always pushing the saturation a lot. So part of me is like, man, am I like, my, if you look at my whole reel, it's super colorful. And I've always been like, is it just too colorful because I don't see color like other people, but people seem to like it. And I feel like a lot of times, like when I'm in coloring, the colorist or the DP is like, yo, like you're pushing it to 12. Like, let's pull it back to 11. Like it can still be crazy saturated, but I've always been like, I've always wanted to do things that are just candy coated and poppy. And, you know, when I go to a museum, I'm drawn to the art that you can see from a couple rooms away that is like big and colorful and sometimes doesn't even have a story behind it. It's just, you know, like a Jackson Pollock painting with beautiful splats of color like that. I, I love that, you know, and even in the music video world, like obviously being a narrative, I have to learn story. I have to learn character, all that's important. And that's where the bedrock of something comes from is just knowing a really interesting character or diving into some story. But I've always been a fan of like, yo, if someone's going to go to the theater, someone's going to subscribe to a streaming channel and pay for it. Like you've got to give them something to just chow down on popcorn with and just enjoy it because it's a spectacle. You know, I love the spectacle. So, you know, I've obviously the, the film is inspired by like, you know, Jacques Demy and the young girls of Rushford and like, you know, movies like that where it's in a real cityscape, but they like paint all the buildings a certain color and they put up colorful flags and stuff, you know, or even like Moulin Rouge when I was in college, 
I was obsessed with that movie because it was, it just broke so many rules, you know? So I love the old musicals. I love Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire, but there's a lot of stuff happening, you know, in the early thousands too, that was a big inspiration because um, like Boz Lerman, for example, like his musicals are just fast and loud and you got to watch them like eight times to catch all that, you know? So I like the idea of rewatchability, hiding, just packing the movie full of tons of color and, and Easter eggs and rewatchable stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, I I don't know that much about colorblindness, so I don't even know what to ask. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm trying to what I'm trying to how colorblind are you? I guess is like, it like blues and greens, or is it? Yeah, it's it's like it's. I think it's called red green colorblind. So a lot of the like certain saturated colors aren't as saturated to me as they are to other people. But but at the same time, like I've seen what I see my whole life. So technically, like if I see a rainbow, it's going to look like my perception of a rainbow is the same as someone with that isn't colorblind's perception of a rainbow. So maybe I do do just like things more saturated anyway, you know, but I, I have yet to get those glasses where you put them on and you see things normal. Like maybe I'll put those on and like re-edit my reel and I'll be like, dude, I don't want to make anyone's eyes bleed or anything, you know, <laughs> so, but no, uh, it yeah. It, look, it looks absolutely gorgeous. And there is a quality of children's show sometimes where they, they are sort of calming. And I guess that's intentional to calm children, but it calms adults yeah. too, where I find myself getting relaxed watching them. Um, is that part of the, the goal? Do you, do you think we have to make this sort of relaxing for kids to see? Yeah, that's, that's part of it, you know, because obviously color, you know, like when I was in college, color theory really interested me, you know, reading like books by Eisenstein and, and how different colors mean different things in different cultures, you know, and they're, how they're used in films. Like sometimes it's very overt, you know, if you watch a movie like Amelie or something like that. And sometimes when you're pulled into the story, it's used in more of a subtle way. And it, you know, I mean, being a filmmaker is kind of like being a magician. You got to trick people sometimes, but I think with, with this movie, that's the idea. We wanted to make candy coated New York city because while there's drama and while Josh like lost his handy dandy notebook and needs his friends to help along the way, you don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. Like you're in the world of taxi driver or something like that. You know, you always want the viewer to be like, okay, this is, this is a comfortable New York city. This is a welcoming New York city. This is the side of New York city that, that most of us celebrate, you know, the eclectic warm um, community based, you know, side of New York city. So I think keeping, all the primaries nice and rich, even in the moments where Josh and Blue are like a little bit lost um, is important because again, we're not trying to do taxi driver. You know, this is, this is uh candy coated New York city. So. so my nightmare version is like, there's an algorithm or something that tells everybody making kids movies. It has to follow this pattern and it has to be this many frames per second because we're going to hypnotize these kids. Like, are there any talks like here? So we keep them engaged. No, there actually isn't. I mean, Blue's Clues has a lot of rules, which which was new to me that I had to learn. And, you know, for example, whenever any of the hosts, Steve, Joe or um, Josh, talk to the camera, you can't you can't have the lens at a high angle or a low angle because they have to be on the level of the kids because mm. that it's feel equal to them and they're on the same level. Um, that's a really cool thing that I learned that I mean, Blue's Clues invented the idea of talking to preschoolers at home, you know, that was the first show that did it. So that's a rule that they're very proud of. And it's very important for them because there's a lot of things going on in two, three, four year olds heads um, as far as development goes. So 
um, to have that connection on screen is very important. And there's, you know, there's other rules too, as far as, um, you know, just the pacing of the show and how the characters are portrayed, but we had a lot of creative freedom as far as the musical goes, as far as like shooting dramatic scenes, you know, ramping up hero moments, just moving the camera because the show itself doesn't have a lot of camera movement. So um, there was, there was no like, any rules about how quick a scene can be or how slow it needs to be. I mean, obviously when they ask a question to the camera, you have to give enough time for the kids to respond because it's an interactive thing. And even at the premiere in the theater, like all the kids were screaming at the screen and that was really fun to see. It, it, it felt like, like a four-year-old version of Rocky Horror in a way, you know, like it was a rowdy crowd and that was cool. So, um, so that interactivity is really fun and new to me. And uh, it's, uh, you know, even, even, some of the concepts behind creating preschool concept, uh, you know, content, I learned from my girlfriend. My girlfriend is Nikki Lopez and she created Santiago of the Seas, Santiago of the Seas on Nickelodeon. And um, because of COVID, I've been, you know, in the same room as her during a lot of her meetings. Like I work back to back with her. So I hear a lot of her meetings and I hear a lot of the, the processes and the um, just the informative way that they put things in an entertainment space but are still trying to educate kids and it's really interesting how they do that so I was able to learn a lot from my girlfriend to sort of prep me for the for the younger audiences for sure yeah the the way that it does teach and the way that it moves at a pace that kids can really relate to is is pretty admirable because it never feels like um didactic it never feels like school and I'm, yeah. I'm by how much you can do that um, and it's just it's just a fun world to be in. It's just a happy world to be in. Yeah. There's so much talk now around inclusiveness in kids programming. And there's people who kind of weirdly freak out, like if you change the race of a cartoon character or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are, are, are there discussions around that? Like, how do we make this film, this show more inclusive, this film more inclusive? Yeah, it's, it's actually really important to Nickelodeon. You know, it's it's, um, you know, during Black Lives Matter, they were. Um, they started an inclusivity council and my girlfriend's a part of it. And I was able to hear a lot of the meetings they were ha having and um, very action-based, both before, both in front and behind the camera, you know, as far as our crew goes and as far as who's represented on screen. Um, and also working with Josh, like Josh is the most kind-hearted, warm person you'll ever meet. But when I first met him, he was very stern about like, like how important the Filipino community is how important, how important representation is, how important, like just representing LGBTQ plus community is on screen, because that's something that, you know, like people didn't do it 10 years ago, you know, and it, and it definitely, like, I like to think that if I was a little bit older, I would have been doing it 10 years ago, but I kind of just got into the game. And it's cool that um, I'm working with a network and a studio and, actors and producers that it's really important for i mean when blues clues i think it was like a year or a year and a half ago when they did the pride parade video on youtube um with just so much education on all the different terms and uh language within the lgbtq community like that's important you know it's not just one rainbow flag there's so many you know different you know colors on the spectrum and they came out very in support of that more so than any other kids show ever has done before. And so when I met Angela and Trace who created Blues Clues, I, I was like, you, you guys are pioneers. This is huge. You know, like this is something that a lot of studios and networks are still uncomfortable talking about. And people say they want to be inclusive and say they want to be part of that movement, but they're still kind of, you know, 
tiptoeing around it, but we're just coming out guns blazing. Like, yo, this is a community we support. And if, and if you don't, don't watch our movie, you know, like this is that important to us. So Josh is, you know, Josh is big on that. You know, the creators are big on that. Nickelodeon's big on that. And I'm big on that. And it's really, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of that for sure. You know, I did notice there are rainbows everywhere in this movie. And I didn't know if it was a statement of any kind or if there just happened to be rainbows because they're colorful and cool. And it sort it's, of ways. It was kind of both, you know, like, like literally I gave the directive to our, you know, I work really closely with our production designer, uh, Alex Kaya, who's like just in this incredible guy and um, his set decorator, Gabby, you know, she's obviously this incredibly just strong New York, kind, cheerful woman. And I mean, what we really wanted to lean into was the idea of all the storefronts and restaurants with the flowers, you know, because that's a big thing in New York is putting like flower bouquets in front of your restaurants. So we leaned into that. But the rainbows kind of came naturally, you know, it's just because we wanted saturated colors. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, they're there because we also support the LGBTQ community as well, you know, because um, everyone knows that Blue's Clues is a proponent of that, you know, so it's it's kind of like hand in hand. Like I, I like colors and they'd be there anyways. But but yeah, we're waving that flag, too, for sure. Oh, that's cool. Uh, there's one thing that happens 30 minutes in the movie that. I, my jaw dropped. I was really excited um, <laughs> because I knew the history of this character, but I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this or if it's like a surprise. Um, can we talk about who shows up 30 minutes in and how that happens? Yes. Yeah, we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Steve, right? <laughs> Steve. Yeah. yeah. How did that happen? Um, it, it, it happened. I mean, obviously because he's still connected to the show and it's very important to him. Um, he explained to me how much of a responsibility Blue's Clues was to him because he affected so many kids' lives. And you can't, uh, you can't just grow up and go off and shrug it off. I mean, it's, he's a staple to it. He is the face of Blue's Clues, you know, and he handed the baton so gracefully to both Donovan and Josh. Um, but, uh, you know, when I talked with him before the film and, and he had a lot of really good ideas. Like, honestly, like, you know, a lot of times, like you talk to a, an actor or an artist and it's like, I got this idea, but Steve's just so intelligent and he actually directs blues to clues as well. And, you know, this idea of when Steve talks to the camera, he's talking to the adults. And when Josh talks to the camera, he's talking to the kids was so interesting to me because what other movies do they break that wall? You know, not, not very often, you know, like Ferris Bueller is always kind of talking to the same audience, you know, but this is a movie where you have parents who are in their mid twenties, early thirties who grew up with Steve watching with their kids who grew up with Josh. And it's just like this insane co-viewing thing. So having Steve involved in him, even being able to like make fun of himself a little bit, like he's a detective, but he's very distracted by pretzels and by everything going on around him. And he, and he needs help from a little, you know, salt shaker, a bar of soap and a, um, a clock, you know, to help him actually get his brain together and find where Josh is. So um, he's a, uh, a lovable, but distracted detective in a big city. And uh, he's, he just played the part so well. And I think a lot of people are just going to scream when they see him on screen, you know. Did you grow up with Blue's, with Blue's Clues? No, I was actually a little, I was like 12 when it came out. So uh, I was, you know, it's like my little sisters kind of watched it. Um, but I was actually, when uh, Josh was, when they were casting for the new host, I was really following that campaign because they were trying everyone out and a bunch of cameo, you know, a bunch of celebrities were trying out kind of like how they did with the office when they're replacing Michael. And um, 
so that was like really interesting. And it was exciting to see Josh in there because, you know, again, like what we were seeing before about him representing the Filipino community, like just to see this insanely talented um, Filipino young, you know, he's from Broadway guy that has, that can sing and dance and do the whole bit. Like it was so cool to see him in this incredible role. That's so important to so many kids and so many kids, you know, he's in their homes, talking to them, teaching them things. And he doesn't maybe look like, kids that they grew up with. So that's really important. And that's kind of the point of the movie too, is like, if you're going to go on an adventure and step out of your comfort bubble and go into a place that could be seemingly scary, like New York, as long as you welcome people that maybe don't look like you and accept their advice and accept their help, you know, you can get to that end goal. And I think that's, um, it's a simple message, but it's, kids need to see it over and over again. It needs to be repeated. And it's a pretty simple movie from that sense. And it was, um, it's a good formula to really teach kids, um, you know, that education about inclusivity and about um, taking a chance and chasing your dreams. 